Welcome to Money Talks, a series of interviews with me, Liam Halligan, Economics and Business Editor of GB News. In this episode, I talk to Adam Brooks, the owner of two iconic pubs in Essex, the Owl Public House in Loughton and the Three Colts in Buckhurst Hill. During lockdown, Adam emerged as a leading hospitality industry advocate, amassing over 240,000 followers on Twitter. As COVID restrictions took hold, he repeatedly spoke out against lockdown measures, accusing Prime Minister Boris Johnson of throwing good pubs and other businesses to the wolves for no good scientific reason. In this detailed discussion, Adam talks about his childhood growing up above his parents' pub in London's East End and his vision for the UK's hospitality industry. Adam, great to have you here on Money Talks. You're a proud publican. You've got a couple of pubs in Essex. You're from an East End family of, of publicans. You grew up in the business. But in recent years, you've really emerged as a, as a campaigner for the hospitality industry. Why did you speak up the way you have? Uh, really, because I think it was quite obvious quite early that things weren't adding up, Liam. You know, a lot of the restrictions that they, they were placing upon us didn't make sense. Um, a, a lot of the information we was getting from the CMOs, the media, and many of the MPs was very, very exaggerated, and that was obvious. Um, not that I'm an expert, but I think it became pretty clear with other voices and other experts in, in those fields that the government and the propaganda um, was there to sort of scare people and, and keep people sort of controlled. So, you know, when I really sort of... Um, got the ump and, and, and become quite aggressive uh, campaigning against the government and, and such was when they, um, I call it the, the press conference of doom, when they showed a, literally it was a line to 3,000 deaths a day. You mentioned the CMO, the chief medical officer. Yeah. Next slide, please. Yeah. Because it was really during lockdown that you became very prominent, yeah. Adam, and you've amassed hundreds of thousands of, of Twitter followers. You've really mm. got quite a lot of influence. Yeah. And a lot of journalists follow you and report your tweets these days. Yeah. You did, as we say in East London, get the ump. Yeah. Um, but that's a lot of people get the ump, but they don't all become sort of social media Right. sensations and really effective campaigners as you've become. Yeah. How did it happen? Well, I mean, I, I had quite a few followers anyway because my businesses were quite popular. Uh, I call it the Towie effect. Um, celebrities. The only way is Essex. Yeah, the celebrities and footballers that used to come to my, my venues uh, before I had the pubs. So, you know, I had a base. But, you know, I'd, I, I used Twitter and social media to sort of uh, express my anger, my thoughts, you know, rather than it sending me a little bit mad in, inside, I, I, I'd find myself tweeting what I was thinking. And it wasn't really for likes or RT, like retweets or anything like that. It was me getting out my thoughts and saying what I wanted to say. And, you know, some days I was looking at it thinking, wow, I've had 2,000 retweets there. And That's quite I've, a lot. Oh, I've had blah blah journalist uh, retweeting me or that MP is, is liking that. And, and suddenly I realised that, Maybe what I was saying was resonating with not only like-minded people to myself, but I had Labour MPs, Conservative MPs, you know, um, top-name journalists suddenly liking or retweeting my tweets. I was thinking, you know, I better be careful what I put here. Uh, I have got a big audience. And, you know, really, I decided to sort of 
hone that in and try and use it for some good, Liam. You know, and um, lucky enough, Alan Miller brought me into the T Together Declaration, which, uh, which is a campaign group. So he founded the famous Vibe Bar in East London. He's, yeah. he's a big uh, representative of the hospitality industry, particularly the nightlife industry yeah. across London and the Southeast. Yeah. So, you know, I'd, I'd never met Alan, funny enough, before sort of all this. And, and we was really sort of brought together uh, campaigning against uh, vaccine passports, which was a, f a threat for so many months. And it was a threat that would, I feel, almost end hospitality overnight because, you know, it, it doesn't matter if 80% of people have had their vaccines. They do not want a checkpoint society where, you know, whether it be going to a pub, a cafe or even the supermarket, they do not want to have to show a QR code. And, you know, I'm a father of three, uh, three kids. I didn't want that as their future either. And I thought if we could try and nip this in the bud now, it might send a message if they try it again down the line. So it, it, there, there was a lot of personal, you know, and selfish reasons as well, you know. I'm business, a business reasons. I'm a business owner. I, but I, I don't do moral it. reasons yeah. too. Exactly and that. Your, yeah. your kind of sense of freedom and yeah. mm. the relationship between the state and society, what that yeah. relationship should be. Yeah. I want to come on to the cost of living crisis, Adam, uh, because, you know, you're, 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 you're a very prominent small businessmen, but you are, you do run small businesses at the sharp end. And I think the insights of small business leaders are absolutely vital and journalists should take more notice of them. But before we do come on to the cost of living crisis, I just want to ask you another question about the COVID era. Um, that's when we got to know each other, as it were. Um, the public inquiry is forthcoming. I think if it wasn't for the war in Ukraine, Partygate, you know, the cost of living crisis, mm journalists will be absolutely fixated on what that cost of on what that public inquiry should say its scope its terms of reference we know none of that already no. we know none of the time frame for that public inquiry into uh, the covid pandemic we don't know whether it's going to report before the next election for instance but just in a nutshell adam what are your thoughts about what that public inquiry should be what do we want to glean from it going forward we've got to learn from possible mistakes and we've got to we've got we've got to hold these politicians uh, and civil servants to account that, that they can't just put restrictions upon businesses without evidence you know sasha lord the night times are of manchester um hugh osmond uh very very well the guy, uh, bloke, bloke who runs punch taverns right. one of the biggest publicans yeah. in, in in the you country don't get much bigger in hospitality than hugh they took the government to court and it was timed out because in our opinion, they had no evidence to prove what these restrictions were there for really. Uh, they, so they, these Republicans trying to sue the government for yeah. these uh, restrictions that you and others felt were unfairly, illegally impinging on your businesses. You know, we, we need to know, did they have impact assessments? Did they know what this was gonna do? Did they have the evidence that, um, okay, we're gonna, we call it the Scotch egg rule. You know, we're going to implement that on... Our, Substantial meal. Right. <laughs> so we're going, to, we're going to implement that. How many lives or how many transmissions do we feel that that's going to, you know, stop or, 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 or save? And I do not believe that the majority of the hospitality restrictions had any evidence or any effect on transmissions. It is my opinion that they was there to almost put people off going to hospitality and make it, you know, a chore. And, and therefore, they would get less transmissions out there through lack of business. 
Now, I think that will come out, but let's see. Let's see. You've said that you feel a culture of fear was deliberately instigated. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Fear is control, isn't it? And they, the nonsensical restrictions that they put on hospitality were laughed at. And people like myself, Sasha, Hugh, warned of, say, the consequences of a 10 p.m. curfew. We said what would happen. Within days, there was crowds outside venues. There was crowds yeah. on buses, in town centres. It was carnage. Because chucking out time was so much earlier. Right. Uh, uh, you know, we just wanted the evidence. We wanted to see their, you know, the evaluation of why they did that. Now, Dominic Raab turned around in an interview, I, th- I think it was with Sky, I'm not sure, that um, they simply copied Belgium. They thought it was a good idea. Now, how many of our restrictions and laws were hunches or because other, other countries had done it? That's not good enough. You know, I've, I've got friends that have lost businesses. You know, I'm sat here now with two bounce back loans that uh, I've got another four years running to, to pay them. I'm, I'm reminded every day I open my NatWest app of what I owe. Now, why should I have had to borrow to keep my businesses afloat? I think it's a disgrace and I think, you know, it will come out in the wash, Liam. The pandemic lockdown, of course, it was meant to lead to a a bounce back recovery, a V-shaped recovery. Your business is meant to be booming right now, but we've gone straight back into a cost of living crisis. Big inflation, obviously the impact on food and fuel prices of war in Ukraine. As somebody running a couple of successful businesses uh, in the southeast of England, so, you know, pretty prosperous part of the country with all respect. We all have our difficulties. How's it for you? Well, I've got two good pubs, thankfully, Touchwood. Um, yeah, I've been doing this a long time. I've never seen costs so high. You know, I, I've actually got friends in the business where... Their, their energy and their utilities are more than their rent. Now, you tell someone that two or three years ago, they would wow. have laughed at you. Yeah. You know, I've got a backstreet pub that I'm out of contract. I'm, I'm, I'm caught out of contract and I'm not signing the prices that are there at the moment, you know. For, for fuel. For, for uh, electric. Yeah. Now, that's sort of three, three and a half thousand pound a month for a small backstreet pub. I've got a thousand pound gas. That's four and a half grand a month I've got to find just to heat and run my pubs that's without water that's without rent that's without everything else staff beer yeah. food yeah. so you know we go back to beer my, my brewery that i'm tied to they've just sent me an email that all my prices have gone up everything because wheat and barley and grain and all exactly. the raw materials of yeah. beer have gone up but us being the end user we're we're, we're well the end we're we're facing the public so we're, we're the end of the chain in, in that supply chain we cannot pass on all those costs that our suppliers have passed on to us. So, you know, as I said earlier, pints should probably be £7, £8. We could never charge that. We'd have no one come in. So we're stuck with less margin and we're stuck trying to cut, cut costs elsewhere. And it's hard. So how much, with all respects, Adam, have you put prices up on average of a pint of beer, say, yeah. in the last six months? And how much... Should they have gone up if you wanted to maintain your margin? Well, I've gone up about 10% at the moment. But again, as I said, we should probably be up 30, 40% on the price. So that's a big squeeze of your margin, your profitability, your ability to invest in your business, expand your business, pay your staff and so on. So, you know, I I think I've had a busy weekend. Uh, On a Monday, I do all my my figures. And, 
it's surprising how little left there is and you think you've had a busy weekend. You know, so everything is, 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 is coming to a head now. And if it goes any further, there's no point opening the doors of certain businesses. And I think... Even in a prosperous place. In a prosperous pubs, place. Yeah. I know exactly where they are. Mm. I live in the same part of the country as you. They are in really nice parts of the world in the yeah. southeast of England. You know, fair play to you. You've done very well. You come a long way from the yeah. east end of London where you started. But if even you are struggling to make a margin, yeah. how are your you know, fellow publicans doing well, across it, the rest it, of the country? There's many publicans out there. Again, I, I'm lucky. I don't live on site. Uh, I have good staff that, that, that run my businesses for me. Um, there's many publicans that their pubs feed them, you know. House them. House them. It's their whole lifestyle. I've lived above pubs. I don't do it now. But it is a lifestyle. Now, you, you're, you're going to see a lot of these operators that are getting to the point where is it worth them doing it any longer? But then they're going to lose their home, their livelihood. And I do believe that in the next six months, if nothing changes, if Rishi Sunak or Boris doesn't help us with VAT or business rates or some sort of support package, hospitality will take a huge dive in the next six months. We focus a lot on the hospitality sector on, my, on the money show. It employs 10% of the population. It disproportionately employs people part-time, younger people, people on relatively low incomes with, with all respect. It's mm. often people who are second incomes for houses. It's, it's the difference between, you know, a vulnerable family and a family that's mm. doing okay, these hospitality jobs. It strikes me that the hospitality industry perhaps needs to return to the emergency rates of VAT it was on during the pandemic, 5% and then 12.5%. Yeah. Because at the at the beginning of April, along with all the other tax rises, national insurance going up mm. and so on, that were highlighted by the media. Not many people noticed that the hospitality industry went back to full fat 20% VAT, yeah. right? So it was like almost like a two tax hikes in six months. You know, again, I, I name check some of these people. People like Sasha Lord was, was really campaigning to try and keep the VAT rate down. Uh, many, many people in hospitality w were warning what this is going to do. And... Look, I, I hope Rishi does do it, but they should never have put it back straight back up straight away. Because what you're saying, if lots of hospitality businesses go down because of cash flow, because mm. of a lack of margin, because they got on 20% VAT rather than 5 or 12.5%, mm. you're going to end up with less tax anyway. Yeah. You're going to end up with higher benefit bills. Yeah. So why not keep the tax low? Well, this is the thing. Uh, an open business is going to generate a lot more income for the treasury than a closed business. So... You know, why would you not protect these businesses? We're going through a hard time. But again, I, I don't want to come across as someone that's putting out a begging bowl to the government. I don't want any help from our government. I want to be left alone to trade and, and feed my family how I, I see fit. But the last two years, it's their mistakes. I, I call them mistakes. They're, they're, they're COVID restrictions, their mistakes that have put us in this hole. And let, let's not, you know, let's not sugarcoat the energy crisis. It started from lockdown. This, this isn't just for from Ukraine. Inflation was Inflation. at a 30-year high before yeah. Putin made his move on Ukraine. Right. And I, I feel that a lot of media uh, figures and a lot of MPs forget this and they're trying to blame everything on Putin. You know, terrible man. Terrible what's gone on in Ukraine. You know, and I feel awful for the, the people out there and I hope it ends very soon. But this Ukraine war did not 
put our energy bills up to what they are now. This was, you know, from before that uh, and something needs to be done. To what extent do you think the government gets it? There aren't many people at the top table in the cabinet, are there, who are from small business backgrounds? And yet small businesses like yours employ two thirds of all Brits. They generate over half our GDP, our national income. Do you think we need more people at the heart of government from that kind of small business background? I mean, it would certainly help. It really helped. It would help if we had a hospitality uh, minister as well, which a lot of people have campaigned for. But I mean, even even in uh, the the first lockdown, someone uh, I read a report that Rishi Sunak put a figure out there on what the average pub rent was, and and it was so wrong. Yeah, and it was out in, of touch. Yeah, it, I, I think it was out by about fifty percent. Wow. So if they're getting fed numbers by civil servants or researchers that are completely wrong, they're never going to come out with the right answers. You know? And if they go and meet CEOs of pubcos, which you know, many of them are hardworking people, have started from the bottom, but they don't represent the little man mm. like me. And that's, again, I'll go back to why I campaign, because there was, there was not many sort of, of us little people shouting or being heard. And, you know, I, I suddenly found myself um, being invited by people like yourselves for interviews, you know, different media outlets. And I think, you know, it might have opened some of their eyes um, at the higher levels. You know, certainly I, I got a text from a CEO of one of my um, pub co's to say, keep going. And I opened it, I showed my wife and thought, well, how about you open your mouth? How about you go on, on the TV and... Uh, and do something, you know. So it's quite frustrating. But yeah, definitely, your your question, we do need people with experience at low level in government. Your pubs are quite well known for the food that you serve. Just give us a little sense of your balance sheet in terms of the price of food that your staff are buying, the margin you can make on food, because for a lot of businesses like you, that is where you make your margin, isn't it? It, it is. But is also, it still the case, given that food prices are up so it is. much? I've got two different types of models. You know, I've got a backstreet pub where, you know, the food is ancillary to the drink. Yeah. I've got uh, a country-type pub, big country pub in the forest where... It's more you know, sort of gastro pub. Well, it's more families coming to feed their kids, yeah. you know, Sunday roasts and, and whatever. But you've also got to remember, we're, you know, wages have gone up a lot for us over the last two years as well. So... The margins and, and staffing is hard to, to, to find. So um, our costs with the food, with the prices of food, with the wages, everything has gone up. So again, I, I like to try and be affordable. And it's very hard to sell yourself as affordable if you have to keep putting your prices up. So I've tried to keep them you know, as low as I can. But again, like with the beer, they're not high enough to get the margins we were getting pre-COVID. So, you know, it, it's, a, it's a very fine balancing act. We go too far and the customers won't come, say you're too dear. We keep them too low, we're going to incur debts, you know, over a, a longer period. So it, it really is. At the moment, I would say the industry is, is sort of, we're, we're walking a tightrope of we could go either, either way. So it'd be very nice if, you know, if the government could step in and, and give us a little bit of help where we need it. Uh, you know, otherwise jobs will go. Adam, I've often found you 
in our discussions to be a pretty canny political analyst, if I may say so. And you're from a part of the country that's known for its sort of savvy and uh, those Essex seats. They're generally Tory seats, but they can swing if people, as you say, get the ump. Where do you think we are politically at the moment in the aftermath of those local uh, election results? I know a lot of people who come through your pubs talk to you about... You know, what you've been doing in, in public life, if you like, and your political analysis. So what is your sense of where the Conservative government is? How concerned should they be about losing support in what is a Tory heartland? Yeah, I think they should be very concerned. You know, um, I've supported Boris before. I thought the government pre, pre-COVID, Brexit and certain things, I supported them over. But... A lot of customers I know have lost all trust in politics, not just the Conservative Party, but, you know, Labour, that, the whole system. They feel like uh, a lot of my customers were telling me before the, um, the local elections is why bother? Doesn't make any difference what, what we've And a lot of Tories did stay at home in those yeah. local elections. And I think they? that the numbers showed that. But I think, I think the Conservatives need to get back to being Conservatives, you know, uh, in my part of the world, especially, you know, the Conservatives were often historically l- lower tax parties. It's just not the Business case. Business friendly. Yeah. And um, obviously I speak to a lot of self-employed people. Mm. They're, they're, you know, they feel dejected. They feel let down. Um, but they also cannot see a saviour in Labour. So where are we with politics? You know, I, I've tweeted numerous amounts of times that I'm politically homeless. Mm. How, how does Boris and the, and the government get me back? Well, they're not going to get me back if my businesses are suffering with, you know, uh, under the rules uh, and, and the policies that they're setting. So the answer is I, I, I couldn't tell them how to get people like myself back because I don't know, Liam. Um, I don't think possibly COVID has gone forever. Um, you know, w- when we talk about restrictions, I hope, I hope it is. But many people like myself cannot forgive um, the damaging restrictions. I think it would take a lot of years to, to forgive that. Um, and now with the cost of living, they've got to step up and do something or people are going to go further down that road of lack of trust and lack of support. So at the minute, I think we're in, we're in like a, a political purgatory where people, they're waiting to see what happens. They're, they're, they don't know, you know, at the moment, it's like two devils that you can vote for. <laughs> um, you know, if there was a general election tomorrow, I wouldn't vote. Really? No. And you are you're you are so politically engaged, not yeah. party political ga- engaged, yeah. as you've just demonstrated in your answer. Mm. You're, you're a political free spirit. I think yeah. any, everyone listening and watching mm. to this interview can, can see that. But for somebody as interested in the future of, this country yeah. and the future of where your business is fit into the country yeah. to not vote. That's, that's, that's a tragedy, isn't it? it that is you feel that way. And, 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 and there'd be people that turn around and say, well, you can't moan down the line. You, you had no, you, no input in the say, but how can I vote for conservatives at the moment that I feel um, let me down during COVID, let a lot of people down, scared a lot of people. How could I vote for a labor party that, you know, jumps on every everything that is is trendy, and you know, basically everything that is against the government. I find them hypocritical. I think they're liars. You know, how could I vote for a Lib Dem party that 
try to over, overthrow democracy uh, of a referendum. Who do I vote for? You know, and then you start going down to the little parties. Am I going to make any difference by voting them on, on a general election day? I don't think I am. So wh where does my vote go? Adam Brooks, thanks for appearing on Money Talks and all the best with your businesses. Thank you. Cheers, Liam. Thanks a lot for listening to Money Talks with me, Liam Halligan, Economics and Business Editor of GB News. If you've enjoyed this episode, then please leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube or wherever you're listening. Do subscribe to this podcast and also check out my daily television show, On The Money, at 1pm Monday to Friday on GB News or via the GB News app. GB News, Britain's news channel.